I'm Jack Moylan, and you're listening to Let's Talk Business, a podcast geared towards young professionals served with a side of witty commentary. At Lutz, we rally around the mantra, make light, meaning be lighthearted, illuminate solutions, and create energy. We hope this episode will do just that. Let's make the complex simple. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Business. Today, we're talking about out-of-state taxes. How fun. Uh, here, fun. Here with me is tax and consulting shareholder, Stacy Watson. Stacy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do here at Lutz? Sure. I've been with the firm over 20 years, and when I started in accounting, you were kind of told what you were going to be when you grew up, and one of the things I was going to be was a state and local tax accountant. So I have done state and local taxes for over 20 years. Wow. And so I always tell it's the job nobody else wants to do. That's how they picked me to do this job. Okay. <laughs> Got it. So so it really was kind of just thrust on you. You'd say they needed someone to do it and, and you fit the role? They needed someone to do it. And, and you were just told back then that that's what you were going to learn. So I actually learned that in international tax. And so those were the two things I probably did for the first three years of my career before wow. I came to Lutz. Got it. And so... Are you consulting on businesses or individuals that are coming to Nebraska to work on specific Nebraska state laws or helping people understand what it takes to do business outside of Nebraska or all of that? All of that. So when I first started here, a lot of our clients were Nebraska-based and not much more than that. But of course, as our clients grew, we grew. And so now it's consulting with, you know, what are you going to do in all 50 states? How do we best protect you from all 50 states? And then individuals that come and work here, you know, what that means to them. I also work with the legislature. I call it take your senator to work day. So whenever they implement a new law that affects one of our clients, it's how does that actually work? It's not any political side of it. It's in actuality. How does that work out for the business or how does that work out for the individual resident in the state of Nebraska so that they understand how it affects the one at the level that they want to get to? Sure. I, I imagine that's very valuable for a lot of, you know, small, medium, even large business owners, but just not having to have someone on staff that can know the law and the lay of the land, you know, and they can come to you and ask for that advice. Yes. I think that it's been really helpful because most people, again, I always tell people you have your regular job to do and this is all I do. So controllers or tax people at other either small, medium, or large companies. They're focusing on financial statements. They're focusing on the everyday accounting. Right. But what we do outside of that really can... I tell people there are certain things about state taxes that keep me up at night, and they can take a business down Mm -hmm. more so than even making your journal entries can. So it's been helpful, and we have a group of five of us here that can help out from that perspective. Got it, because I know that you and... Is Russ over in state and local yep, as well? Yeah, Russ and Lindsay and Jill and Caitlin. And okay. then Kaylee Hartman comes in and out. So, yeah. That's right. Well, yeah, we've got cool. all of us. Awesome. Well, do you have any preference in, in talking about it from a business perspective or an employee perspective? Maybe we'd go into the employee perspective because that may be who's really listening to us right now. Individuals yep. that are working you know, in a different state or, or, or making money in Nebraska, but they reside in a different state. I mean, what's kind of that process or how can you understand where all you have to pay taxes? Sure. And I think COVID has changed that for a lot of individuals because Mm -hmm. it used to be you had to go or most people had to go into their office, right? So Mm -hmm. wherever you worked, that's where you were going to pay taxes. So if I lived in Iowa and I drove over here to work, I was going to pay my, for wages anyway, I was going to pay taxes based on where I worked from a wage perspective. Mm -hmm. COVID came along and a lot of people decided to work at home or maybe they weren't connected to their apartment or the place they were staying. They went to Colorado because they liked the mountains. And so during the COVID period, a lot of states have come out with different laws that said, okay, if it's if you're only here because of COVID, we're going to tax you where you were residing before or where you worked before. 
And so it didn't necessarily apply during COVID times what was happening. Unfortunately, probably, you know, of the 50 states, 10 went into various buckets. So not all states are the same. New York says, hey, if you work in our state, you have to pay the monies here. And by the way, if you used to work in our state, but because of COVID, you went and started working in New Jersey, we still want your money. Right, even no though you're not actually yeah, visiting but, my state anymore. Right. So New York's probably the most aggressive. Sure. And Nebraska's kind of allowed businesses and employers to work it out together, which makes the most sense. If you're going to permanently stay now in Colorado and never come back to Nebraska, Nebraska's like, okay, those are Colorado wages for sure. you. So each of the states is different, which makes it difficult. Right. And then COVID made it more difficult because laws that we normally re, uh, relied on, which said if you worked in my state, you paid income tax in my state from a wage perspective, those have no longer applied during the last 18 months. So, you know, kind of you get a W-2 from your employer and it's going to have tax withholding on it and you're going to have to file in that state. So we've had clients who live in Texas that don't have an individual income tax and they get a W-2 and someone's withheld Nebraska tax and they're like, whoa, I wouldn't have to pay 6% in Texas, Mm -hmm. so I don't want my withholding to be Nebraska. Got it. Then you have to work through the employer as to whether or not, how do states view it and which way is correct. If you're just earning business income in Nebraska and you're an individual, so someone sends you a K-1 from their Mm -hmm. company, you are required to file a tax return and report that here. So that will just basically, it'll be on a form that says, hey, this is Nebraska income, you're required to report. And if if the company that sends that K-1 to you, doesn't think you'll report, they can pay Nebraska income tax on your behalf and you don't actually have to file a return. Got it. But yeah, the laws with COVID for the individual wage workers got a little bit more complicated. So if you don't report that in that specific situation, then it's in an employer's best interest to pay that on your behalf if they don't think you'll report because it can come back to them as the employer? Yes, it absolutely can. Got it. So they'll get a notice saying, hey, this person, but you'll also get a notice too. So it's a dual responsibility state. So it's both the company and the employee's responsibility to report properly. Got it. But it's there's also these veils of privacy. So they can't tell you they've contacted your employer and they can't tell the employer they contacted you. So both of you decide, oh, I should have paid it. You can both technically pay the tax into the state and the state could get the monies twice. And they can't tell anybody that they got the monies twice. <laughs> Isn't that, <convenient laughs> Isn't that very convenient? So then they get yeah. to keep them. So yes, we, we like to ensure that everybody knows which side that liability is going to sure. begin and end with. How do you, in that situation, avoid both parties paying? Is that just communicate? Absolutely. Okay. So we we anytime we get one of those notices and we're curious that the other side may not and we can't, sometimes we actually have, we can see both sides of the transaction because we're doing the employee and employer's right. return. We can't tell you either legally. Sure. So we always have to say, hey, have you contacted your employer? As we shake our head and mm-hmm. say, you should really contact your employer right. with, our, <laughs> with our words right. changing. So we always encourage communication. Yeah, absolutely. So, And, and is that a state-specific or is that across the board? Most states hide behind that. Got it. Because Maybe. they know they get double the money. Yeah, right. I was going to say, why would you not? Why would you not? And most states do have the dual responsibility because if all of a sudden they go to the employer and you're out of money, right? But the employee has money. They want to be, I mean, basically they're going to get it from whoever can pay it. Well, and so I guess one of the questions is, you know, how do you know if you're required to pay out of state taxes or not? Is that just, you'll typically get a notice? You'll typically get either you know, your wage withholding, right. right? You know where you work. Yep. So just like the person who's sitting in Texas, but their employer's in Nebraska, they need to start asking those questions if they're getting Nebraska withholding. Why are you withholding? Because it will be on your W-2. Or if you're getting income from a business, that business will send you a reporting document. So once mm-hmm. you receive those, that's how you know to file. 
Got it. We've got some interesting uh, examples in here, and I'm curious how intricate some of these get, I guess. Like one of them is a social media influencer or blogger. I mean, how does that situation work if you're living in, te- in Nebraska, but you're, you know, I mean, you're receiving, is it through, through advertisements? It depends on where that advertisement income is coming from. I mean, yes. that's a lot of... So generally, those individuals are going to organize themselves in some sort of manner, LLC or escort, because they don't. If you don't, you have personal liability for anything that goes out under your influencing. And right. if someone wants to sue you, now your house is at it's risk, et cetera. Yeah. So most people are going to put, for legal reasons, into some sort of entity. So then what happens at the state level is, if I have ever physically pre- been present in that state for work purposes, mm-hmm. then I have to now, then that's the return. Now, if there's some, some states have gone as far as to say certain links in the URLs, depending on where they lead back to, they really? want to find you and make it. Wow. That's a little bit of a stretch from my perspective. You know, so generally it comes back to if you are physically present in a state, generally you will have to pay tax if you're earning revenue from that state. So if I'm advertising in California as my influencer, I'm working for a business in California, even though I live in Texas, if I'm physically going to that state, mm-hmm. I'm probably going to have an income tax responsibility from that state. So the states do try to make big, broad connections, but they're too hard from an income tax perspective. Well, so I think that brings us kind of into the different perspective a little bit. Is there anything else on employee and employee paying taxes in different states that you think is kind of an important topic? No, to just on? during COVID, watch out with whatever your employer puts on your W-2 and question sure. it if you think you get a better answer someplace else. Right. Well, okay, so from the business owner standpoint, when do you need to, you know, one question here is when to register in another state? Yes. So we used to tell you that was driven by income tax and physical presence, kind of the discussion we started right. with before. Yep. But in 2018, the United States Supreme Court decided the Wayfair case. And Wayfair's, you know, just like Amazon and Overstock, you can go on there, you can buy a bed, you can buy whatever you sure. want, and they'll send it to you. Well, Wayfair in South Dakota agreed they didn't want to argue for the next 10 years, so they actually fast-tracked this case to the Supreme Court. Wow. And the Supreme Court back came back and said, listen, if you sell over $100,000 or 200 transactions into a state, we feel that you have economic presence from a sales tax purpose. So they're no longer saying you have to put your big toe in my state. You have to physically step in my state. They're saying that if you sell that kind of volume into my state, that you're benefiting economically from the people who sit in my state. And now you have to collect sales tax. True. So if there's a tax that keep me, keeps me up at night, it's sales tax. And the reason being is... That's not your tax to pay. So that'd be like walking into Shields and buying $1,000 worth of Christmas presents and then Shields going, don't worry, I'll take that $70 and pay it for you for the sales tax. Nobody wants to do that for all of their customers mm-hmm. because I don't have 7 to 10% of my margin that I want to give away to states by not collecting that money from you. Sure. So... Once you meet those thresholds in a state, that is a clear indicator, assuming you're selling something, one, that's taxable, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe what you're selling isn't taxable. Mm -hmm. Sometimes services are, sometimes they're not. But if you're over those thresholds and you should be collecting sales tax, that's your first indicator that you have to register. The second one is, am I physically present in the state? Meaning, do I have an employee? Do I have a warehouse? Do I have an inventory? Is there something in that state where I have a physical location and office? Then that's clear you have to register too. Other than those two scenarios, registration can be a little bit blurry. Like maybe I visit you, but I go in and out of your state maybe once or twice a year for a trade show. Mm -hmm. A lot of times not not worried about registration. So, yeah, there are some clear line tests 
But beyond those, everything else is kind of blurry. I was going to say, yeah, it doesn't sound <laughs> extremely cut and dry, which is interesting. It is not. And so that's how businesses really get away with planning for state taxes. So by trying to figure out, and each state line is different, right? Each state comes with their own set of rules. There's some set of rules set by the federal government or sure. the Supreme Court, but the rest of them are state driven. And so you are allowed to, okay, this is what it takes to be in and out of Missouri. I'm going to do everything I can to not be in Missouri. So I'm just going to do these things, right? So mm -hmm. you are allowed to kind of plan around those things to decide where and how you're going to pay your state taxes. I was going to say, it makes sense why the conversation surrounding, you know, large companies headquarters is such a big one, because that's going to have a serious impact economically on wherever they choose to go. Absolutely. So if you look you know, five, 10 years ago when Amazon was building all these warehouses, the states would actually say, okay, we won't make you pay income or sales tax here for X number of years if you'll put your headquarters here. Because the jobs to them were worth more than that. And they knew that that time frame was going to come to an end and then they'll be collecting everything. Sure. So it is a huge deal for those states to get those businesses in there. And then, you know, forever you would buy stuff from Amazon and you would never pay tax on it. Mm -hmm. People are like, yes, that's a gigantic benefit. Now with the new Wayfair cases and some other laws, Amazon's required to collect tax in most of the states. So people don't have that ability. And by the way, you should have been paying it before anyway. So right. because the state loves to, they see me all the time. I would collect my Amazon receipts at the end of the year and I would pay use tax in on my personal return because that was due regardless. Most states just don't catch you, okay. right? They're not going to come to say, you know, Stacey Watson, you bought $100 worth of books off of Amazon. Please give us $7. That's not worth their time. Right. Wisconsin would actually allow you just to pay in $25 and cover anything you might have purchased. So if you just check that box, they would never audit you. But before, if you bought big purchases, say there was actually a case in Nebraska where a guy brought somebody other than his wife a fur coat and the state got notified because it was such a large dollar amount. And so they called home while the wife answered and she said she didn't get a fur. She didn't have a fur coat. She did not get a fur coat. <laughs> and so sooner or later figured out he still did make the purchase. The wife just did not get it. Yeah. And so, yeah, they sent him a notice for tax interest and penalties. So a lot of times if you were getting big shipments or large dollar items, the state would still find you. But for the smaller stuff, they didn't. But now you're just not getting away with it from Amazon and the other people. The e-commerce world, that brings up an incredible topic just in, in general, I I'm sure that's changed your world a lot. Yes. I mean, just speaking of the Wayfair case and all, all those other intricate, you know, precedents that are being set, oh, now yeah. you have to communicate that. Yeah. So full, full disclosure, when uh, when the Wayfair case was coming down, we were at, uh, I was at a training course with a bunch of other CPAs and we actually voted. I was one of only two out of 25 people that voted that, Wayf that Wayfair would lose. I really thought the state would win. And so they, they did end up losing. And at that day, I purchased Avatax stock because they made a sales tax program. And theirs had been around for the longest period wow. of time. Like that stock has gone up hundreds of dollars sure. since I purchased it. Because now it used to be you might file in one or two or maybe three to five sales tax states. Well, now if you're doing $100,000 in a state, you're filing in 45 right. sales tax states. So it has changed. I mean, you might need a person in your office now just to handle sales tax. And you clearly generally have to buy one of these programs because I think there's something like 13,000 sales tax jurisdictions in the state, in the, in the country, because every little, some people can have a county tax, a city tax, then you have a special district tax. Because if you, you know, kind of like downtown Omaha, you'll pay a little bit more in sales tax because they're using that money to pay for the capital district or whatever. Right. So there are additional fees and taxes like that. And so that makes so many different jurisdictions. Some are by zip code. Some are by zip code plus the four digits. No kidding. So, yeah, I mean, if you just type in 68135, we're both 
everybody might be Douglas, yeah, right. but I'm inside Douglas city limits and someone else might be outside Douglas city limits. So it, it is kind of crazy, the complexity. Yeah. And I think the problem with the Supreme Court ruling when they did it is they just assumed everybody was going to be able to use one of these programs and that would make it easy. Mm-hmm. It still isn't easy, regardless of what kind of program <clears throat> that you have and the complexity for someone who only sells a million dollars worth of stuff a year is just kind of crazy. Yeah. So. That's incredible. How have you managed to stay ahead of, I mean, not only just the changing landscape with e-commerce and everything, but how have you been able to be an expert where you need to be an expert, but not try and get too in-depth into things that aren't going to benefit your knowledge base, I guess? So the nice thing is, is so now that I've been doing this for so long, you can end up having a network all across the country of people like us, right? Sure. I always say there's tax nerds and then there's state and local tax nerds. Like we're the biggest <laughs> nerds of everybody okay. because when I go on vacation, I actually read state court tax law <laughs> okay. as part You're of my You're not lying, vacation. yeah. I'm not lying because there's no way you can catch up on it. But the nice thing is, is I belong to a group of individuals that we share that knowledge. And so I know that if there's something I don't know in a state that I might need to know, or it's of my client's best interest to know, I have someone who's like me that I can reach out to in a different state. And we're going to have that knowledge sharing. Plus, I always tell people a state law is written one way, but the way a state might interpret it, it changes over time just because they can't keep putting new things up. I mean, you can't change your statutes every year to encompass everything that could possibly be done on the internet. Most of these state laws, like Nebraska's, was written in 1967, right? I mean, they still talk about a mailing list. Do, mm-hmm. do people actually put a paper mailing list out anywhere? No. no. So does a generation of names in the database, does that count as a mailing list? So it's just small things like that, that having conversations with people that are just as big of a nerd as you are in the yeah. tax world really helps you not have to be an expert in 50 states, right? but just be expert enough to know who to reach out to and you know talk through those issues with. I imagine there's a pretty serious level of trust that you have to have with those people too, and just to at least be able to say, all right, I'm going to take that exactly how they said it and, and yep. believe that's the truth. Because I imagine you're having to learn something or listen to something and then quickly forget about it because you have to move on to the next. Yes. And so it's, it is actually nice because you realize who thinks like you and who doesn't. Right. And it's nice to have the people in the room that don't think like you because they're going to see a different part of the case. I mean, I always joke, Russell, Lindsay, and I, the director and manager in our group, we are clearly three different people. I like to fly at like 100,000 feet. Lindsay's picking up every blade of glass she possibly can as she goes through the forest. And Russ will walk into a few trees because he's sure. looking down too. He's just not in the grass. And so just knowing that we have someone at each different level to dive in and dig and you know, give our own interpretations, fight about it, and then decide on, you know, okay, what's our risk points? Right. And a lot of times it's telling the client, okay, this is probably 90% the answer, but there's a 10% risk that the state is going to come back and say X, Y, or Z. And we can either get a 100% answer by sending the state and asking them the question, but if you don't like their answer, now we're stuck with it Mm because it's in writing, or we're going to take our 90% chance and this 10% bad risk and go for it. I mean, really... Ours is often talking about risk mitigation. Sure. Never 100% we know how this is going to work. And I imagine a huge part of that is understanding your client's risk tolerance, right? I mean, some people are going to say, no, I want that 100%. Yep. Some people are going to be like, nope, I want the letter. And at that point, sometimes we're like, you know what? Let's not get it in writing. Just start collecting tax or just start paying the tax because you're going to ruin it for everybody else if we go and get that in writing. Yeah. And other people, yes. I mean, even if there's only 10% it's on their side, they're going to be the kind of person who's like, okay, I'm going to risk it. Sure. And I will tell you, I'll risk it on income tax all day, every day. Sales tax, where I'm collecting it from someone else, I don't want to be as risky. 
And then income tax withholding, if I'm supposed to be withholding income tax from you, mm -hmm. why would I not do that, mm -hmm. right? I mean, if it's someone else's tax to pay, I choose to be less risky. Sure. But if it's your tax to pay and you don't want to pay it, and we have a leg to stand on, I'm fine being in the gray area. Got it. But when it's yours that you're collecting from someone else in terms of sales tax, you're like, nope. No, why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. Do you really? Because if you are the kind of person that likes to pay other people's taxes, my estimates are due on like nine fifteen. Totally fine. You write in the check for those as well, right? Sure. When you put it in those words, nobody wants to pay someone else's income tax. Yeah, right. So why would you Not pay someone's sales tax? You're no longer losing sales based on collecting sales tax where you're supposed to, mm -hmm. because kind of after the Supreme Court case, everybody is. Yeah. It's got to be a difficult thing to find individuals to maybe take your spot someday in terms of being a sales and local tax expert in the in the organization. That's got to be kind of a interesting thing. How do you recruit for that? Right. Yeah. So nobody wants to be us yet when they grow up, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Arrest came from working at the state, so that's a whole different right. thing. Lindsay was an auditor, so it kind of fit her fact pattern a little bit better. So we've hired directly into our group, Caitlin. So she's mm -hmm. worked out, and we do have interns run through our group now. For shorter periods of time and we found out we probably have eight or ten people running around this office who were in our group for a period of time and then you know it wasn't sure. their lifelong dream to be a salt person but we find that they have a better knowledge base for our clients even if they just go through our group for a little bit you may not know the answer right. but just being able to recognize that when the client told me that they just are storing their inventory in a warehouse or, you know, if the clients that use the everybody loves prime shipping from Amazon, mm -hmm. those clients, anytime a client tells you that that's how their products are sold, you now know they're in trouble because that means Amazon can put their inventory any state they want around the country and they have right. no control over it. Got it. As soon as they put your inventory in a state, you have a problem. Got it. So, you know, just having people being able to recognize that, mm -hmm. I'm always fine if they come into our group and leave because just the level of knowledge and recognition when we can't touch all clients is good. But we interns have been working out really well. And we oftentimes reach out to our audit folks just to remind them every year, these are good questions to ask your clients. Sure. Because we've had clients before get a sales tax audit from the state of Nebraska. It happens all the time. And they're like, well, you audited us. How come you didn't tell us? It's not actually an auditor's job to worry right. about your sales tax, but they oftentimes think our job is to worry about all their taxes. Sure. And so just having people in the field that can recognize issues. Yeah. Eventually one day they'll have to be another me, but right now nobody yet wants to be me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> nobody wants to read court cases on vacation, I guess. Uh, I've talked to Kaylee <laughs> a little bit. She sounds pretty excited. She is. Yeah. Yes. I'm excited to have her in the group and I know she was actually a page in the legislature. Oh yeah. And so I think she'll do a really good job. She's just got to get a year or two more before I send her to the wolves because sometimes, yeah. <laughs> sometimes the senators can have strong personalities. I'm sure. So, and, and I they're, they're not there because they're tax accountants. Right. They're there because there's teachers or lawyers or social workers. And so I think people who aren't driven by financial statements and tax things, it's really hard to figure out how you're going to pay for stuff. Mm -hmm. And so those lessons, you know, take a little bit to teach. Sure. Sure. I guess maybe something else, any, anything that can help individuals recognize if they need to look into getting more advice from a salt department or I guess, you know, we talked about a number of different things, you know, $100,000 in a state or inventory, anything else that you see people sometimes forget about that, that catches them up? Yeah, there's a couple of things that aren't really sales tax or income taxes. They're weird taxes. So mm -hmm. Ohio has a commercial activities tax. Washington has a business and occupation tax. So and these are taxes that don't fall under the any normal rules. So I always tell people, once you know you're going to be in a state, whether mm -hmm. I'm just selling into a state or if you definitely have an employee in a state, or I, I'm going to have a, a large business relationship in a state. I mean, if you're just selling $1,000 here or there, I'm not worried. 
But if you now have a biggest customer in a new state and you know nothing about that state, you have to raise your hand. Sure. If you have an employee there you think can research it, they might. There's just terms that states use that may not jump out at you right away. And so I would say anytime you're going to have that business relationship in a state that's strong, reoccurring every year and it's growing or an employee that I think you need to reach out. And and the question can be easy enough answered, oh, no, you're good. Or it might be, ooh, you're in Washington, like you sneezed in there. They used to have, they would take pictures at the borders and as trucks drove by, they would look them up in their database. The state of Washington actually has a Chicago office because they caught so many people in the Midwest. No kidding. And so, and one of our clients took their players up there on a softball but he had a big van so the girls all rode up there he got a notice and it's like no he wasn't there on business yeah but proving he was up there for a softball tournament we had to give like schedules and no names way. yes it was crazy because people must lie to him i don't know I <laughs> it was like no not up there for business he's like how'd they even catch me so just once you know you're going to have something right. in a state that could be <clears throat> significant for your business and that could be $20,000 to your business, or it could be a million to another, mm-hmm. I think it's time to raise the hand. That's awesome. Well, I think that advice hopefully is very valuable to someone from the business owner perspective. Anything else from the employee perspective, from a um, wage earner? Yes. From a wage earner perspective, I would carefully choose where I, I worked because it is meaningful from a state income tax perspective. Sure. I mean, obviously you have real estate taxes, you have schools, there's lots of other things that go into that decision. But if you could put you know, 7% or more away into a retirement account that you're not paying state income taxes on. I think that is a huge benefit. You know, I just, a lot of states are aiming to lower their income taxes. Ohio did it this year. Arizona did it because really? they know that individuals in that having you in your state doing other things, whether it's buying a car, buying a house, you know, groceries, all that kind of stuff that you're doing is actually way more meaningful than the income tax that you pay in. But when states don't think about it, People don't want to move. If you're coming from Texas or Florida, I mean, not even considering the weather, right? Right. right. <laughs> but if you're coming from one of those states and then you're going to move into a state where right away after, you know, eighty dollars or $100,000, you're hitting a 7% rate, that doesn't feel good. So states are paying attention to that. And I know in Nebraska, we have the brain drain. We educate a lot of highly intelligent people here for college and other things, and they leave the state. So. Sure. You know, is the lowest income tax rate going to drive you here to begin with? No, but I think eventually it does become a factor. So, well, especially, I mean, I know a lot of people that are here that work in the building that also live in Council Bluffs. So, there's a lot of situations where you're going to either have to choose one city or another, and it's probably split between a a state line. So, to your point, might as well know the beneficial part of that. Well, yeah, if you're up close to South Dakota, their rate's zero, right? right? I would I'll take (laughs) working in South Dakota over working in Nebraska and Iowa any day. Yeah. Because they're not much different regardless. Right. Yeah, you're not getting a weather benefit (laughs) up there. But yeah, so I mean, paying attention to that, I think, is important. And knowing that now, and I would say especially, this is probably the positive side of COVID. Mm -hmm. People can work from anywhere. Mm -hmm. And if that's a choice you can make, you know, it might be worth it to be able to put that into your retirement account. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. Honestly, I, I, I did learn a lot today. I hope everyone else did. And I'd even go as far as to say it was kind of fun. <laughs> Again, I think we have different definitions, but if I'm reading state t- tax law and vacation, yeah. my definition of fun can't be yeah. all that much of a high bar. So well, I thank agree. You. Thanks. You've reached the end of another episode of Let's Talk Business. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your podcast app, Spotify, or iTunes. Thanks for listening and don't forget to make light.